All right. So I want to talk about on wings of eagles today from a very famous passage of scripture, Isaiah chapter 40, verses 27 to 31. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Anybody ever felt like that? Where are you, God? I've got a cause here, and it's totally ignored by you. I feel hidden. I feel alone. I, I, I don't know where you went. We were doing pretty well, but what happened? So we all know how to be in that place. Do you not know... Have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. I love this passage. I love that last verse so much. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So you look at verse 31. What does it mean to hope in the Lord? There's an amazing promise connected to those who hope in the Lord. Will re- all this good stuff, renewing your strength, flying like an eagle, running and not growing weary, walking and not faint. So what it means to hope in the Lord is a really important definition, I think, in this text. And uh, so actually the literal translation, which you might have had from other versions, is wait on the Lord. Those that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. That's the literal translation. But waiting or hoping is not passive, interestingly enough. It is expectantly and joyfully positioning yourself in a way that's consistent with God's ways and characters, character to experience supernatural power from the Lord. I'll say that again. It's expectedly and joyfully positioning yourself in a way that's consistent with the way that God acts, the way he does things, to experience supernatural power from the Lord. I think in theory, a lot of people think, well, okay, yeah, the Lord could do that. You know, the Lord could help me. But the question is whether he will or not. And the big question is, have you considered the cross and the resurrection and what it costs to buy you and purchase you and bless you to be a member of his own family? Have you considered what it is to be a son or a daughter that you are one of those? Have you considered how you handle your own kids and daughters and how you want to bless them? And talk about positioning. Man, just go to your first elementary school play and watch these parents. And as kids, you would think that that was like the most amazing, <laughs> the Oscars or something, you know? And the kids, the way they're behind them, looking at Junior up there for the first time. I can remember all four of my kids, the first time they got on stage or played a ball game or played a musical instrument. Well, the father is much more enthusiastic even than that, much more amazingly uh, oriented. He's a family man in the end, and he wants to bless us. So this waiting on the Lord is this positioning yourself in a place uh, knowing that God already wants to do it. You're just uh, trying to catch the surf. How many surfers we got out there? So everybody knows about surfing, right? Isn't positioning the whole deal? You just got to be in the right place at the right time and hope nobody else is in that same right place at the right time and then all is good. And you don't have to have many of those, just maybe one great one, you know, in the day or a couple, right? So it's like that. So experiencing supernatural power for the Lord is like surfing. It's like you put yourself in a place, you put yourself under the spout where the glory comes out. 
that sort of thing. You understand what I'm saying? Surfing is exactly it. So there's this great power of this wave, all this water, and you're on it. God has this incredible power he wants to release. So to wait in the Lord is to wait for that power to come, to be in a place as the power comes, because inevitably it will because of his great love and passion for you. And last time I checked, he is kind of strong <laughs> and able to do all kinds of things, right? Notice it says, will renew their strength and soar with, with wings like eagles. It's the supernatural help from God to overcome. So that's what he's talking about. It's the supernatural. These words are just metaphors for the supernatural power to overcome. And so God promises to do that. I like that part about renew their strength. I think that right now the church is in a, a time of renewing their strength. Oh, not just us, but all across the world, we're renewing their strength. I'll talk about that a little bit more as we go on, but I can feel that. I can feel even now, and we're, we've been very careful during this time as a church because whole churches need to position themselves, right? So all through this time, with regard to COVID and all the things. I haven't been so concerned about the disease. I'm concerned about it. I, I, I'm not, not paying attention to it, but I've been more concerned and looking forward to the big wave that's coming to serve for the church. I'm watching. I've been trying to position ourselves all along the way that we play this in such a way that we're out there in the water. We're not, you know, haven't surfed you know, a year or something. We've been out in the water swimming around, practicing. So as the big one comes, and it is coming, that we're ready to go. And I believe we're really ready to go. I just love the way we've handled this. I love the way God's unfolded. I love this tent. I'm going to have a hard time getting rid of this tent. I really am. I don't know. What, I mean, I got very way too attached to it. I don't know what it, I, I mean. I feel, I feel like Oral Roberts or something. I'm not sure, you know, for you to even know who that is. But uh, just... Just, you know, the tent evangelist, the whole thing. I just like it. It feels cool, you know. And isn't it conspicuous that the weather's been so amazing? Every single Sunday, it's amazing. Thank you, God. Every single Sunday is so nice. So we're going back indoors on Monday night. So every Monday night service that we have is extended time of worship and uh, praise and extended time of spiritual gifts. And so every Monday night we'll be inside now. And then on Easter, we'll be back uh, inside as well. So, And uh, we'll just see how all the rest of our activities get restored. But um, anyway, I, I feel like uh, an eagle. I feel like my strength's renewed. I feel like uh, flying a little bit. How about you guys? I love this. God's active. He's never tired or disinterested. If you look at verse 27, why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. I think there's been a lot of temptation to feel that at least subtly in your heart, if not overtly, you know, because of the circumstances and the things, and if you've had loss or whatever. We get into that mode very, very quickly, especially with the disappointment, an individual disappointment, a family disappointment. But in this case, it's been a, like, systemic disappointment all across the board, as we've just seen our politics degenerate, and we've seen so many bad things happen to so many good people with regard to the COVID-19 and all the rest, right? God asks us a question. Why do you complain, Jacob? That would be us. Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? So I think all of us probably in this room, most of us would be too religious to say that out loud. We know better, but in our heart sometimes that seeps in and grabs us. It's amazing how our heart can tell the truth while our mouth is lying, right? <laughs> we really feel that way. And I break the power of that off of all of us today, this 
thing of uh, internally, this, this feeling of being cast aside or hidden or somehow passed over for blessing. Lord, I know that's never true. There's season changes and things that happen, and sometimes it's darker than others, but Lord, I just declare uh, your, our way is not disregarded by my God. Do you not know, he says, ha- have you not heard? I know you've heard this, but this is like the Lord saying it again. He knows Israel's heard it too. He just likes to remind them. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary in his understanding. No one can fathom. He hasn't gone on vacation. He hasn't worn out from all this COVID virus stuff and all the disobedience. He's not worn out by all the things that have happened. He's just fine. Thank you. He gives strength to the weary and he increases our power and he's doing it now. I just thank you for that, Lord. A supernatural help from the Lord. I like the part where he's never disinterested. He gives power when we need it exactly at the right time. That's what verse 29 means. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. So if you can expect anything in the next several weeks, you can expect this passage to happen. Your strength to increase and power of weakness, power and weakness to increase and grow because that's what Jesus does. That's what God does. That's what is, is in a character, right? God's constantly abiding, creating. He's good news. He's good news. And I would say especially at this time. So as we look over this story, I just want to notice um, as we talk about uh, this story and the verses I've been reading, there's two kinds of uh, winds that have always caused the church to fly. Remember, he says that we will run, not grow weary, walk, not faint. Well, in the other places, we, we mount up with wings as eagles, right? We soar on wings like eagles right here in verse uh, 31. So how do we fly? There's two really key ways that the church fly, two ways that you fly. First is the wind of the Spirit. And um, so funny because uh, sometimes... I, I notice that people sort of brand us and churches like us is like, well, they're the sort of Pentecostal part of the church, you know, which has varying connotations. And uh, I'm not ashamed of that at all. I like that whole thing. But the deeper issue is behind any kind of label or like those are the emotional people. Those are the people that fall down or do weird things, you know, or they're kind of a little different. They're kind of on the edge, you know, they're the people, you know, that kind of thing which we probably can earn that reputation because from the outside it probably looks like that. Just come to Monday night, you'll see, you know. <laughs> but uh, the key thing is not that. That's all the result of spiritual activity. Yes, maybe sometimes a lot of emotion gets involved, but like we're emotional creatures. If Jesus Christ walked in the door right now, I think there'd be a little bit of emotion in the room. So all we say, all we, we mean when we say spirit-filled is we mean re- we're responding to the reality of God living in us. Even that statement, God living in us, God lives in you, is one of the most dramatic statements anybody can make. And we're two or three gathered together, there I am in their midst. You would think there would be a little emotional activity there, right? You would think there might be something, a little registering there, so we just like to register the presence and even say more God. One of our famous prayers is more. We like more. I feel you a little bit. Bring a lot, Lord. Even if it looks weird, we don't care. We're the we don't care church. Reason why is because the presence does what it wants. He does what he wants. And so he does things like Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they're all together one place. 
Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what t- seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and sp- began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. That's the wind. That causes us to fly. And it's not just happening at one time and a long, long ago, Pentecost, but it happens continually with the church. God continually brings this revelation, this reality, the supernatural reality. In response to this, Peter stands up, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. <laughs> These people are not drunk, as you suppose. Why would he? <laughs> of all the ways that God could posture the church, he makes people look drunk? I mean, what is that? And so, like, <laughs> the churches are so religious that if anybody looks a little drunk or stunned by the presence of the Lord, it scares them, frightens them. It, wow, I don't know what to think about that. You know, that's actually normal. Almighty God in your presence and nobody reacts, nobody responds. He just showed up a little bit more unusually than usual, and there's drunkenness. And we've had, <laughs> let's just say I've drunk deeply of that drunkenness. <laughs> and, <laughs> and there's a good chance you're going to see me that way <laughs> in the near future. And if you see me that way, I've noticed like sometimes newcomers come and, you know, and I'm really, you know, I'm in my right mind usually in these services and we're doing fine and everything. But when they see me in other settings sometimes, or even in these services, and I get a little tipsy, shall we say, you know, it's a little disconcerting. You know, I'm supposed to be a little more dignified and maybe a little more protective. But I don't want to protect you or me from anything. I want the Spirit of God. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah, by the way. (laughs) He eats things. He devours things. He takes over stuff. (laughs) No, he says, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit. I think we qualify for the last days. And here's an interesting thing. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, which must have been so odd to hear at that time. Because when they said prophesy, they thought prophets. Now, these ordinary people are prophesying. Are there prophets? And all of them seem to be prophesying. Did God just multiply a bunch of prophets? Can't be. Isaiah, Jeremiah, no way. You know, these, are, these people must be apostate or crazy or something, but this cannot be. But he says, look, this is what's happening here. You've been hearing us speak in your own languages. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, and beyond that your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. We'll all see that too before it's all over with. Even those times will come on the church and in the time of the church. Great supernatural activity. You might as well get used to it. We mount up with wings of eagles, but one of the ways is the increased power of the Holy Spirit, the pouring out of the power. People are prophesying, seeing visions. People are acting a little bit out of their abnormal ranges of normal behavior. But it actually makes all the sense in the world, doesn't it? Make all the sense in the world? To me, it makes all the sense in the world. A supernatural God should bring some kind of result, some kind of impact on us. And Peter says... Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Spirit. 
the promises for you and your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. First they make fun of them for being drunk. Next thing you know, 3,000 of them are being baptized. That's done by the power of God. That's the wind of the Spirit. They that wait on the Lord will mount up with wings as eagles. We were meant to be eagles. We were meant to fly like this. This is all part of the whole thing. But the interesting thing about this, preceding the wind, is often something really amazing that we all appreciate we just did here today. It's often preceded by constant praise and prayer. Have you noticed that? So constant praise and prayer actively uh, uh, many times precedes. And so we see in Luke chapter uh, uh, 24, before this Pentecost comes, it's very interesting. If you look through the verses, when he led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them, was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple praising God. So this is this worship and praise, this prayer and praise linked together precede great spiritual activity. I tell you, you can't learn that lesson deeply enough. Many times trauma or problems come on people and they stop praising, praying and praising. They close up. But that's the exact moment that you need to mount up with wings as eagles. That's the moment where you need to do more. You need to praise and pray, pray more. That whole supernatural aspect of God is one of the delivery systems that God has brought. We see actually before Jesus brings this baptism, here's what they're all doing. Acts 1.14, he ascends to heaven, and in the days before this great spirit is outpoured, they all join together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Constantly. Constant prayer, constant worship. Even if you look at Ephesians, I love these verses so much in Ephesians. Ephesians 5.17-20, where Paul talks about being continually filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh as we look at these verses, I just want you to notice something in the context of these verses. He says, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Again, he's contrasting drunkenness with being filled with the Spirit. I just think that's sort of interesting, because that can happen. I mean, they understood it. When they were speaking in tongues, you know what I think when they were speaking in tongues on that first day? I do not think they were orating. Okay, Peter, it's your turn. Okay, James, you go ahead and do it. He stands to the mic, very dignified. I'm speaking in tongues, by the way. I'm just pretending. Anyway. All right. And here's this one over here. Okay, it's your turn. No. What was happening is they're all speaking crazy, all of them talking at the same time, very emotionally, and they're thinking they're drunk. That's it, right? So... How does God start the church like this? The question is, does God still do the church like this? And the answer is, yes. yes. <laughs> I know it's weird. But that's what happens. Let's look at Ephesians 5. Look at this. Do not get a drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, 
always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what I'm just saying is what makes you fly is uh, preluded often by massive amounts of prayer and worship. I can't get enough of worship. I just love to worship in here. It's not the preamble. It's not the beginning. Of, it's not the thing we do to get warmed up to the real thing, which is the sermon or whatever else we do. No, it is the thing. <laughs> worship is the thing. It's the experience of God. It's where we touch God. It's where we feel God. And there's so much anointed music out. Man, I'll tell you, sometimes, you know, uh, if I, sometimes I don't feel a lot like praying a lot of requests and things, but I, I just worship. That's prayer. That's the first part of the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be your name. So I just worship. I worship. Just, or I listen to music, anointed music, and I just stay in that place and let the Lord just come over me. And I find that if I do that for a while, many, many times I can then just pray and intercede. And I, and I feel God, it's sort of like God fires up the generator, so to speak. But the fact of the matter is, the wind that we're looking up, the wind that mount, causes us to mount up with wings as eagles, often is caused by worship and prayer. And so he's saying that to them, to sing, to speak with one another with psalms, hymns, and songs, make music from your heart to the Lord. And, and they didn't have near the instruments we have, but it was the same. It's the same thing. Worship was, was, was wild and crazy. It was powerful. They were singing at the top of their voices, and the Spirit was coming, right? Notice the place of singing. And I even like this part, which is even very, very powerful for me. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. So in the midst of your down space, in the midst of wherever you are, always giving thanks. Thanksgiving is one of the most powerful things you could do in your life. Giving thanks to the Lord no matter what, no matter what place you're in. Finding a, making that on your mouth. Thanking God for what happens to other people when they get a good thing happen. Thanking God for what you get in your own life. Appreciation is one of the most powerful things. It breaks through darkness. It breaks through the blackness. You appreciate God even when things are black, even when things are horrible, even when things are going wrong. You say, thank you, Jesus. Something breaks the blackness. It disarms the evil powers and principalities. It disconnects them all. Then we start adding prayer and intercession and worship to it before you know it. You're in the flow of the wind. The wind begins to take you up. Right? Wow. Amen? Okay, you're with me. All right. I think. This is just such amazing oratory. You're just stunned. Is that what this is? Okay. But here's one that's not going to be as fun, but it's incredibly real. The winds of adversity take us also higher and deeper into God's purposes. Eagles use the wind to fly higher and faster and stay up longer, all for the purposes of more hunting and better food for their kids. That's how they make a living. They make a living flying on the wind. Isn't it amazing? They glide in the wind. They don't flap in the wind. Flapping in the wind is exhausting. <laughs> Sometimes when the winds of adversity come, we flap really hard and we get really tired. Anybody been flapping lately? <laughs> Man, I'll tell you, I've flapped more than one time during this time, you know. <laughs> you know I, tell you, I have never worked harder in my whole life. You would think we'd get a break, you know, but no. It's been more busy, more amazing. I mean, all kinds of things and all kinds of progress. We've never been so busy around. You'll see. As the, as the campus begins to unfold, that's just one expression. As the campus begins to change, uh, we already have the plans. We've been working and working and moving. God, where are you taking us as a people? Where are we going? What are we going to be doing here in the next year or so? 
preparing great foundations. It's, it's amazing for you. Maybe as we look on this over the next several months, you'll feel like, wow, we're moving fast. But actually this fastness that we're moving, we'll be, we will be moving as a great, great foundation has been laid through lots of activity, lots of mounting up with wings as eagles, lots of wind, lots of things have been happening. Adversity takes us higher and deeper, I'm convinced. And the higher, the, the more intense the wind, the eagle just use it. It's a beautiful thing to see a eagle glide in the sky, right? One reason why you can do that and not flap is the Bible says something really powerful. All things work together for good for them that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. Romans 8, 28. That's why you don't have to flap too hard. <laughs> Even the worst things are working together. You know, some of you are experiencing some of the worst things in your life. Maybe over the last several months. Maybe some not. You know, there's disappointment in almost every household in one form or another. But even that, God uses to take us higher, not lower. It's not a demotion. It's always a promotion. There's only promotion in the kingdom of God. There's only going up like an eagle. Eagles fly. Eagles take bad winds, and they make things good out of them. And that's where we are. The book of Acts is the story of attack from the enemy and the counterattack of the Lord. It's very interesting causing the ever-increasing progress of the gospel. And not only that, but all through church history, this has been the case. The attack against the church, the persecution of the church, always has caused us to get stronger and better and greater. Caused the seed to scatter everywhere. It's amazing. I was just reading again uh, to my class on Wednesday night uh, about the heavenly man. If you ever read that book of the heavenly man. What an amazing person, this Chinese guy. Incredible. If you've never read that book, you've got to read that book. It's the most amazing story you've ever read of a guy overcoming adversity. And finally, it had so much adversity. His legs were broken. He's in jail. He's in a maximum security prison. He's the most wanted man in all of China. His legs are completely broken and destroyed. He can't walk. They beat him so bad he maybe never would have walked. And the Lord spoke to him one day and says, okay, it's time to get out of here. How do you like that? It's time for the wind to start blowing. I was just reading this. And it's just an amazing story. Time for the wind to blow. And he said, God, there's just no way. I can't even walk. He says, get up anyway. <laughs> so he got up, waddled to the door, and then unexplicably, doors began to open in this maximum security prison. Walked right by God's, guards, nobody noticed, out, to the, out into the courtyard, walks through the gate, out the door. Even the fellow prisoners were watching this guy walk out of the prison from their prison, so nobody seemed to notice. He jumps into a little uh, taxi. Off he goes to Christian's house. His legs get healed. He's well restored and everything. And the prison is going absolutely nuts when they find that he's gone. He's the number one wanted man in all of China. And yet he mounted up with wings like eagles. I don't know. I didn't wasn't going to plan to share that story, but I'm just thinking about this. And guess what happened to the church when he did that? It just went to a whole other level. Hey, they realized, hey, we've been persecuted, but God's for us. And the church, by the way, the underground church we call it, is not so underground. It's one of the most powerful churches in the world. <laughs> and the amazing secret about China. I hope you Chinese guys, if you're a listening to this powerful service, Chinese guys, political guys, 
I want you to know that we all know there's 150 million believers in China. And they're not just any kind of believers. They're powerful believers. They pray day and night. And they are causing change in your culture, whether you like it or not. And you won't be able to withstand their prayers. Oh, what are we going to do about the Chinese? What are we going to do about the Chinese? 150 million people are taking care of it, thank you. Not to mention people all around the world. Now, I don't, I'm not saying we should not pay attention. I'm just saying, don't be surprised as you th see things begin to change. Because change is coming. It's the principle of the church. It's the way we mount up with wings as eagles because the winds of adversity just take, take us higher. If you look at Acts chapter 4, you can just see this happen all through the book of Acts. It's the story of the church just increasing and ever bigger proportions, but it's also a story of adversity and trouble at the same time. That's why I'm telling you that the normal way this all works is we've been in a lot of adversity. But listen, it's time to get your wings up because we're flying higher. <laughs> we're flying higher. All this stuff that's happening to the church and all the things that are happening, don't wring your hands and whatever you do, find to watch the news, but please don't buy too deeply into it. We are flying we're, gonna, we're just on the runway. We're getting higher and higher. You watch and see what's going to happen. You can't keep the church down. You can't keep what's happening. You can't keep us down. Adversity only makes us stronger. Tell us not to meet, and guess what happens? We just get stronger. That was one clap. Nice job. Who was that? One person full of faith in this room. Hopefully by the time I'm done, you'll be all right. So, Peter and John get released from prison. They've been in prison. Now, when that happened, it just sent a shockwave through the church. How do you know you can feel shockwaves through the church? I think we've been feeling a few of those shockwaves. Decisions have been made. Uh, you know, Trump doesn't get elected. You know, whatever it is was a shocker for you. You know, whatever it was. Just shockwaves. They're just all over the place. You know, this industry shuts down. They decide to do this. You know, all kinds of things. But the funny thing is, for, for believers, it works differently because it's in a shockwave. They got arrested. They're two main leaders, and they're thinking, oh, no, they're going to get killed too. What are we going to do then? But guess what? They get released. And when they get released, that's all it took because the church, <laughs> when they got released, the church went, because look at verse 29. Now, Lord, enable their, their threats now, Lord, consider the threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They got their courage back. And then guess what God did? <clears throat> After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. I said, <clears throat> God cleared his throat and said, okay, here we go. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. They literally, the meeting was literally shaken. There was a tangible earthquake in the meeting. Just because Peter and John got arrested, and then they're released by the Lord, and what did they do? They went higher. They went higher. They knew. There's no stopping this now. There's no stopping this. And God said, yes, church, you're on the right track. Here, take a little shaking. <laughs> that was his amen, right? Again, what are they doing? They're in there praying. Again, that activity, that praying thing, there it is again place where their meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. I can feel the Holy Spirit telling me something here. Some of you have a hard time with prayer. And I feel really sorry for you, really bad for you. Because that's your lifeline. Oh my gosh. 
your lifeline. Don't cut your lifeline. Pray. Pray with other people. Worship. If you have to worship first before you pray, do that. I do that a lot. But you can even pray just by saying, Lord, holy is your name. That's part of the prayer. Deliver me from evil. Give me this day my daily bread. But pray. It's your lifeline. It's associated with the, the wind. And when you've got adversity, it, when you pray, you, you rise. That's the way it's designed. God was just underlying this activity, you know. I like you guys. I like what you've been praying for. I like these guys got out. Let me just show you what else is going to happen. Because your prayer was, God, I want to be bolder than ever. Lord, give us the wind. We want to be bolder. We decided we've made a decision. We're going to be bolder than ever. And pretty. And then God just thunders from heaven, shakes the place, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, I thought they were only filled with the Holy Spirit. Evidently, you need a refill. Acts chapter 2, I thought they got, they were so filled with the Holy Spirit, they're drunk. And then here it says they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 4, a couple of chapters later, again. Yes, you need refills over and over again to take you higher and higher. So as we look at this ever-increasing progress of the church, they were in one place when Peter and John was arrested, but you look at the story. After that, they got their wings. After that, there was no looking back. They had a little pause there. They're going, oh my goodness, Peter and John. But when they got released... And, and God thundered from heaven. That was it. They never looked back. And we just see it. And there were some other horrible, disappointing things that happened. You look at uh, Acts chapter 5, verses 40 to 42. Um, his speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So all the disciples get called in, right? And uh, Gamaliel stands up and says, we shouldn't kill these guys. But look what happens after that. They get flogged. That's not very fun. By the way, flogging is not like, not a, it's like, it rips your back open. It's horrible. It's what Jesus went through. The disciples left the Sanhedrin. How'd they leave? Rejoicing. Because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. You couldn't keep the church down. They thought, wow. Not only do we have the signs and wonders of Jesus, we suffer like Him. We really are God's representatives on the earth. We are His people. We are Christians. Now, how do you get that conclusion? They're suffering worse than ever, but they get rejoiced. They're happy about it. They say, because they drew the connection. Jesus suffers, we suffer. Jesus raised the dead, we raise the dead. We do both. And by the way, the most powerful force of the universe rules everything. We're connected. We are connected directly to the greatest government on the planet. We are connected to ever-increasing government. Day after day, it reads right here, verse 42, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. It's like this whole thing. They got beat and they got motivated by it. They caught it. That's exactly what we're talking about. The winds of adversity only made them go higher. They got the hang of this thing. They understood Acts chapter 8, verses 1 to 8, we see the persecution again. A great persecution in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria, and Stephen's been killed. And Paul begins to destroy the church. He's going from house to house. So it had been spent. Look what happens. Here it is again. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. So now it's not going to be Jerusalem. It's like cancer cells, but in a good way. All over the place. They're being scattered. Wherever they go, people are getting saved again. Out of the persecution, out of the trouble, out of people being beaten and put in jail and, and, and Stephen's killed. And guess what? The winds of adversity, whoosh, 
they get higher. You getting it? Have we had some adversity? Anybody had any adversity in their life? Maybe one or two of you in the last several months. Are you getting where I'm going here? Do you see where we're going? Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. So he invades the Samaritans. The, for with shrieks and pure spirits are coming out, many were paralyzed or lame were healed, so there was great joy in that city. And the gospel begins to move outside the boundaries. And of all the places it could go is Samaria. Samaria. The most hated, half-breed people they hated. They didn't want anything good to happen in Samaria. And this scattering goes forth, and the, and the church ascends, and it hits Samaria. Demons are shrieking, and all of a sudden, Samaria receives the Lord Jesus Christ. And it just blows them away. It amazes everyone. And even Paul, at that time, even, even the disciples have to go. Peter and John have to go because it's so crazy. They have to make sure that everything's okay. And, and so when they lay their hands on them, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter and John just, you know, because he does this thing. Philip's going, hey, guys, I think I'm doing this right. Is this right? You know, they're Samaritans. I know that. And they can remember back when Jesus took them through Samaria and how crazy it was for them to go to Samaria. And they knew the ground had already been prepared. And so they went, and when they laid hands on people, they were baptized and the Holy Spirit. Now the Samaritans are getting it. The thing's getting wider. It's getting wider. It's left Jerusalem. It's in Judea. It's going to Samaria now. If we look at Acts chapter 16, again, we see the wind. Paul is thrown in jail in Philippi. About midnight, Paul and Silas were, what are they doing? Are you sure? What are they doing? They're in jail. Paul's in jail. What are they doing? Paul and Silas. Remember that? They're praising God and praying, right? They were praying and singing hymns to God. Uh-oh, that caused you to fly, doesn't it? So the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a, a violent earthquake. The foundations of the prison were shaken. So they got two winds going here. One's the wind of adversity. The other one's praying and singing to God while they're in prison. All at once the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword. He's about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before his Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked them, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and will be saved, you and your whole household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds, and immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. The Philippian church was started. Um, the next day, the magistrates are begging Paul to leave. They're asking, begging him to leave, you know. And, and Paul says, well, if you want me to leave, you come here and get me. You know, I ain't leaving. <laughs> Everything's turned. They're in the bottom of this prison. How many you know that prison cells aren't so nice? You're attached and to, your hands are restrained and you're in this prison cell and you've been beaten and now they're flying. Singing and worshiping, now they're flying. My, my. This is the time of Purim and I had to talk to my dear Jewish brother Scott Schrader to get the details on that. I'm not always clear on my holidays. But if you remember in Esther, it's the story really of Israel being delivered because Israel almost got annihilated, almost got totally taken out during the time when they were in captivity under the Persian king. And so this Esther, she somehow by the grace of God uh, uh, finds uh, favor, and Mordecai finds favor as well, but they don't know too much about 
his favor hasn't really come nearly as much as hers, and, they, and she becomes queen. She becomes queen in this horrible setting. She gets promoted. But then the impossible happens, seemingly. Here Queen Esther is. Mordecai has a good name in the court. But this guy named Haman, who's second to the king, decides to destroy all the Jews. I mean, not only the ones in town, but all over the world. And he's arming all the enemies to kill all Jews. In other words, it was a time of genocide. Isn't it amazing how things happen, you know? We have this genocide, the attempted uh, killing of all Jews in Europe and almost throughout the whole world. Do you know what's happened from the one that happened in World War II? Israel was born. She just took wings and flew. The Holocaust was a Holocaust, but it was also wings. The church rising, rising, and it's still rising. Persecution does that. Winds of adversity cause you to fly. Israel's born out of all that. And now as the days and the months and the years roll on, they're, getting, they're flying higher and higher, and more and more Jewish people are coming to Christ. It's really quite remarkable. And so we see here in this story of Esther and Mordecai that this Haman tries to kill all the Jews. He gets the king to sign an edict to kill all Jews in the world. And so Mordecai responds. Now he knows Esther is in the inner court there. And so he's, he says to her to go into the king's presence to beg for mercy and plead with the king for her people so that all the Jews don't get destroyed. So this man named Hathak goes back and reports to Esther what Mordecai says in reply. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, all the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that they be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares their lives. But 30 days have passed since I was called to go to the king. So she thinks, well, maybe I'm out of favor or something's gone wrong. It's really suspicious, this activity of all the Jews being killed. Maybe I'm in danger too. But look what he says to him. You would think he would say, you know, it's like his daughter. He'd say, it's okay, Esther. It's okay. Don't worry about it. I'm sure we'll work it out somehow. You just stay safe now. You just be safe. We need you to be safe. We need at least somebody to survive from the Jewish race. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. He understood like us, they, the Jews, are people of destiny. We're not just anybody. We never have been just anybody. You keep persecuting us, we just keep growing. You bring winds of adversity, you'll see what, the, what happens. You try to shut us down, you try to keep us quiet, and we just keep on rising. Watch and see. Watch and see the next several months and years. Watch the, uh, the church around the world get wings and fly. You watch. You watch what happens. And I already got my wings going. I've been flapping. You know, I'm ready. I'm, we're already flapping. We can feel it already. I already feel the wind. I already feel the change. I already feel the atmosphere. I've been trying my wings out. I've been growing. I can feel it. All over the world it's happening, and in our area as well. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Look at this answer. You would think, this is an amazing answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. How did he know that? He knew who he was. How do we know that about us? We are God's people. We're his sons and daughters of the Most High God. We're not just anybody. Tell us to shut up. 
You just make us grow. You make us louder. The worst thing you could do is persecute us because the wind of the Spirit's already blowing. Now you bring the wind of adversity on us, and guess what happens? You see what happens. For if you remain silent this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. Weird. She tries to save her life. She's going to perish. And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Esther, it's not by accident you're in this position. Now go use your position. Use your position. So God's purposes always go forward. The only question for Esther and the only question for us in this hour is whether or not we decide to be a part of his purposes or not. That's our decision. God's purposes are going to go forward. The only question for you individually and corporately, are you going to go with God or not? Are you going to give up, lay down, hide? Are you going to take wings and fly? And I'm not just talking in secular ways or spiritual ways. I'm talking about both. What is it to fly as a believer? It's to exercise influence. Here she is. She's the queen. She's in this place of influence. We will use our places of influence. God will use us. We are about to rise up. We're actually, actually like Esther, about to inherit new places of influence and strength. In the commotion, everybody's, please, I just encourage you all, and I, I think I'm saying this from the Holy Spirit, whatever you do, stop wringing your hands about political parties. Just stop it. Stop. Stop worrying. Be alarmed. Be aware. God has amazing purposes for us. I don't know what it looks like, but you do not waste your time crying over spilled milk. Look for the wind. Look for the way we're going to rise. You're going to rise the family. We're going to rise the church. Look for what God has. There's something we haven't seen yet. Something is beginning to emerge. Something beyond what we thought we had, even if you thought the election wasn't going your way or not. However, you were in that place. One thing is for certain, this adversity is taking the church higher in a greater place. In whatever arena, you name it, politics, religion, whatever it is, your career, whatever, youth, children, whatever, we're growing. The question is right now whether you want to be a part of this or not. The question is whether you want to be a part of this or not. And it's going to take some boldness. See, she had to be bold. She had to go in there. She went and she, she answered the call. She did what he said. She took a chance on her own life. But it was no chance at all. Because Mordecai said, you know what? Whether you deliver or not, this, this, this train is moving. This church, whether you become a part of it, whether you decide to, to be in, involved, whether you decide to uh, cast your lot with the church or whatever, whether you do it or not, it's going forward. <laughs> the church is going forward. And that's what's happening in our time, right? So at the very end of your outline, the promise for those who hope in the Lord is that they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I like this. And so the running part speaks of seasons of breakthrough when God catches up, up in the rhythms of advancement and promotion in our lives. And so this happened to the early church. You can just read about it in Acts chapter uh, 2. Uh, 42 to 47. How, how do you know that God's always on the increase? The kingdom of God grows. He said it's like the leaven. Leaven grows. The kingdom grows. It's impossible to keep the kingdom in the box, keep God in the box, keep the church in the box. We've got the worst oppression on the planet in China. Maybe not the very worst, but close. 
150 million believers are there praying and doing business with God. That's amazing. And we haven't even seen the effect of that. Sometimes there's a little delay in timing, but just the fact that there's that many praying believers, and I mean they are paying the cost. They are praying. They are alive. They're not kind of believers. You can't kind of believer be a believer in China, right? So for all of our misgivings about this and that, there is running happening. And that's what we're about to enter, a season of running, breakthrough, when God catches up in the rhythms of advancement and promotions in our life. And you see the early church, and you see this. They devoted themselves, the apostles' teaching, to fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, there that word is, and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. I declare that chapter, that ver those verses over us, over the church in our area, Lord, over the church around the world. This is the time when the eagle, eagle swoops down on its prey. This is the running time. I like that. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. Walking without fainting in Isaiah 40, 31 speaks of troubled times when we need to endure to get to a new place. Congratulations, church. I'm just so pleased and so happy. I've watched a number of you endure really hard things. But you just have to, that's like it's a placeholder holder for the next season. Sometimes you just endure. Sometimes you just get through a place and you move to the next step, right? But the running is we're gonna be, something we should be expecting. And our, many of us have been put in place for just a time like this, just like Esther, just a time like this. It seems dark still. The clouds seem ominous. We get all these indications from every news media on the planet that our planet is moving this way and that way and the church is moving this way and that way and the opinions and the education and blah, blah, blah. But be careful what you believe. Be careful how much weight you give those things. Give weight to the kingdom and our capacity as the church to rise up. God's capacity to make the church rise up. He didn't create the church in America or anywhere else to just dawdle away somewhere and be hidden and silent and muted. It will never ever happen. I'm sorry. It's out of the box way too long, a couple of thousand years, and God always advances. You have not seen anything yet compared to what is about to happen and what is happening. You may not see it above ground. It may be a little bit below ground, but when you take stock and you begin to count the numbers, my goodness. I've been involved 17 years. Our church has been involved in 17 years, for 17 years a little movement in India in two states where they said there would never be anything of substance come. India is dark. India is unreachable. Matter of fact, they even call them the untouchables. They're the poorest of the poor. There's 200 million of them that have even heard the name Jesus. The government's oppressive. Everything's bad, blah, 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 blah. So I got involved with a little movement when it was 400 churches strong. It's now 25,000 churches strong in 20 years. And it's over a million people. And our church alone, by the donations and the activity we've given, have probably have caused 100,000 people to come to Christ just by our activity. I died. Did you hear what I said? We just got interested, sent the money, sent a few people, and boom. Why? Because the season of change 
It's a season of great revival and movement across the earth. And God says, you know what? I'm going to take the two most populous countries of the world that are hidden and under such pressure, and I'm just going to cause crazy stuff to happen. <laughs> I'm going to cause them to mount up with wings as eagles, and that's what they're doing. And I got to be a part of it. We got to be a part of it. We just got to be a part of it. I just got to plug in somewhere. You know, I'm just glad I'm a plug-in. You know, I get to plug in. You know, I plugged in, and wow. It's amazing what we can touch, and we have, and we get to do more. Who knows where it goes from here in India alone? I don't know. I can't wait. We're surfing this wave. I don't even know how far it goes. Give you a hint. We're going after the whole darn thing. I hope 10 years from now, I hope 10 years from now I'll be talking about a whole lot more people and a whole lot more churches. Maybe 50,000 churches. Maybe 5 million believers. I don't know. God's grace. Lord, we just thank you that you cause us to mount up with wings as eagles. Let's all stand. Lord, I just declare over this place. Every person here, Lord, I just release the anointing to mount up with wings as eagles. I pray, God, we've been walking and not fainting. Now I pray, God, we had run and not be weary. I pray you'd pick up the pace in our businesses, our lives, our families, things that we thought were dead. I declare our breathing and life again. Things that we thought were impossible, I declare possible. Callings and anointings that were laid down, you think, how in the world could they ever be picked up or about to be picked up? Unusual prosperity and grace over your business, over your life, in every way, exalting the Lord Jesus and progressing the kingdom of God on the wings of eagles. Amen. God bless you all. Have a good day.